Hello and welcome to We Are Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I will be your host for this evening, or today, or in the morning, or whenever you happen to listen. It's entirely up to you. It's your podcast. Um, but joining me um, is a gentleman by the name of Tristan Hall from Hall or Nothing Productions. Um, you might recognise the name. You're certainly going to recognise uh, recognise the uh, the kind of the fabulous array of work that he's been involved in, and you're definitely going to um, recognise the the name Gloom of Kilnforth because uh, he's the guy that's responsible behind that game. So we brought him on tonight because he's kind of like halfway through his he's halfway through his campaign. So this is what we would call a quick start on the Kickstarter episode. We're going to have a chat about him. We're going to have a chat about the game. We're going to have a chat more chats about him and generally nonsense and other tangents might ensue as well. So good evening, Tristan. Good evening and thank you so much for taking the time out to speak to me to me on the show. It's fine. It's good fun. Because we've already been speaking for like 15 minutes before we even started recording. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, we've established our wives are out partying for the night and uh, we're stuck in looking after the childers. So um, exactly. what else are we going to do? Well, we could pro- potentially get other people around to have a board game and have a good time or we could both <laughs> be complete strangers that haven't really interacted before, speaking over <laughs> the internet <laughs> and let's talk about some, um, let's talk about your game. But um for anybody that's joining us for the first time, and they'll be wondering what, why, why am I doing this? <laughs> Can I put this on at one point five speed and just listen to the end out of courtesy? Um, <laughs> it's in a podcast joke. Um, the reason that we do this is we fundamentally believe within our hearts that there's simply not enough podcasts out there about board games. And the second reason that we're doing this tonight is because <laughs> Rory J. Summers and. I would, he thought I was going to maybe forget about this. <laughs> that out of the out of the blue, in the Twitter sphere, there was a tweet that arrived saying from Rory to Tristan saying, "Oh, you should maybe speak to We're Not Wizards and get them on the show," <laughs> which left me in the awkward situation, which was like, "Ah, <laughs> oh, I better ask him now." <laughs> <laughs> so, it's good to know that I'm here, not not because you want to be here, but because you're obliged in the Twitter sphere. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? If you don't do things by the Twitter, they kind of like you know you get lynched. Oh yeah, Rory's becoming a much more powerful man. He's kind of sneaked up from nowhere. You know, he's got his board meetings going on. He's getting he's generating influence. Yeah. He's actually genuinely lovely. And when he said, as normal, when he says, "Oh, maybe you should," you know, "should talk to yourself," the answer was going to always going to be yes, basically, um, which is good. But how's things? I mean, what's mood like in what's mood like in camp? You must be um, genuinely very quite happy. I would have thought. Absolutely delighted. It's like um, it's it's a constant level of high. <laughs> um, and uh, we, I mean, we. This is our third Kickstarter now, um, yeah. but this is by far the most successful. The original Kickstarter for Gloom and Killforth took twenty seven days to fund. Out of 30, so it was, you know, it, squeaky bum time. It was, it was squeaky bum time. The amount of times I've heard that expression, it was almost like the squeaky bum Kickstarter. But, um, we, yeah, we, we, we clinched it. And as soon as we hit that 100% funding in the last two days, it went up to 150% funding. So there was this huge surge of interest after it had funded because there's this particular psychology with Kickstarter that if something's funded, then it must be good. But if it hasn't funded, then there must be something wrong with it. And because we didn't have the exposure or marketing to get the initial traction or the initial audience, it hmm. was this really slow, steady climb towards this funding goal. But of course, now that we've had that, the game landed this year. It uh, was really well received. We had really great reviews and, and 8 out of 10 rating and board game geek and stuff. And it sold out within a couple of weeks. So we've taken it back to Kickstarter to offer the reprint of the game yeah. to people who might have missed out. But we've also included expansion content for the existing backers who are, you know, enjoying and playing the game. And uh, we funded in less than four hours this time around. So there's a little bit of um, a discrepancy between <laughs> this Kickstarter <laughs> and the original because uh, the, the fans who've been there from, from the start, are, I think they're a little bit disappointed <laughs> by this, the pace of this one. Um, and they, I, I guess there's a sort of masochistic tendency to enjoy the, 
the squeaky bum moment. <laughs> exactly. Like... You'd think they were maybe expected to be like, you know, to be around you and just saying, it's all right, Tristan, I'll be fine. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. And be all kind of like, remember last time. I bet they were all lining up kind of soliloquies of speeches. <laughs> Saying, do you know what I mean? It's the last hour down to the last man, down to the last pledge. And we are not surrendering. We shall take this game forth into it. And it's like, ah, oh, funded in four hours. <laughs> <laughs> ripping up, ripping up the paper. <laughs> exactly. Chucking stuff away. Because that's it. That's the kind of, the, that's my kind of entire kind of script and agenda kind of wrecked for the next kind of 27 days. Cheers, mate. Yep, we've had you know to reconfigure I mean? all of the updates to sort of from, from begging and pleading and like, you know, rallying cries of lining up and, you know, bringing the cavalry in and everything to, well, well, this is just awesome. Let's just, let's just open some more stretch calls and, you know. You just started putting climbing. gifts up there with the Ron Burgundy one going, this escalated quickly. <laughs> <laughs> just left it kind of like that. Um, what's your what's your history? Because one of the things we like to do, you know, we're um, we don't just like to send over kind of realistic kind of probing show notes that you would have received. Um, and if I can refer you to section five, paragraph three of the show notes, we do like to. There's no show notes, and um, we do like to, <laughs> we do like to find out a little bit about our guests' kind of previous history in the land of crushed and printed trees so um in terms of yes it's saturday night i've had a coffee um and in terms of this we like to have a little look back into your past we like to have a little focus around on the present before we kind of charge off into the battle of the future for glory so (laughs) so that was made up um how did you get involved? I mean, what's your kind of your background? What's your kind of your history? What was the first thing that you picked up and went, ooh, cool? Okay, so I've, I've been a board game geek as long as I can remember. Um, I always used to play games as a kid. And even to the point where if my family got bored of Lost Valley of the Dinosaurs or Escape from Atlantis, I'd find a way to play it by myself and create rules to play it by myself. And I think the, probably the most mind-blowing moment of my youth was opening Hero Quest for Christmas and just being like, oh my God, this is everything that I ever, ever wanted. All of my dreams at once, you know. And uh, must have played that about 500 times from the ages of 10 to 13, 14, whatever. Um, so yeah, I've always always been a geek, always loved games. I sort of went on a hiatus from gaming altogether like for about 10 years in my teens and early 20s and stuff. Um whilst I discovered things like beer and going out. And (laughs) and, uh, I rediscovered it after getting married and settling down, buying a house and everything. Um, But via uh, Arkham Horror, the board game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, was the first sort of reintroduction to gaming for me back in like 2005, I guess. Um, And it was everything I wanted. It was like all, you know, like a and d campaign experience in, in one game. And I just remember playing it and thinking, wow, if this was an actual Dungeons & Dragons theme, I think this would be the perfect game for me. Mm. And um, just because I don't have the time to play role-playing games and stuff anymore. So it was at that moment that I started tinkering with designs of my own um, for a fantasy adventure game that you could play in an evening and it sort of had all the narrative moments of a fantasy RPG kind of thing. And so that sort of tinkering went on in the background over the years as I started to develop a mammoth collection of board games and um, I kind of was tinkering with other games online as well. So um, I became like an avid fan of Board Game Geek and tinkered with other designs like the Dungeons & Dragons Adventure System games and the Lord yeah. of the Rings, the card game. Started making like scenarios and adventures for those games and uploading them on Board Game Geek. And they were getting... Um, the Lord of the Rings ones had about 30,000 downloads across Board Game Geek and on my blog and stuff. And the feedback was so positive and so... Uh, so supportive that it made me think, well, maybe there's some mileage in this idea that I have for my game. And so when I started talking about that in my blog and on Board Game Geek and stuff, it really picked up some traction. We started to get playtesters from all over the world asking if they could, you know, download the PDF, print it out themselves and give it a whirl and that. And that's where it got started. And, and the the guys who really supported that going back years, mm-hmm. the ones who said, get this thing on Kickstarter, you know, Let's let's have it. Let's have an official version. So going back to 2015, I thought, okay, we'll give it a go. See what happens. 
And um, and that, that's why we made so many rookie mistakes in the initial campaign <laughs> <laughs> and just sort of blindly threw ourselves into the abyss to see what would happen. And lo and behold, it funded. Uh, we got the game out there. It's been well received. So this is the third Kickstarter now, you know, for, for us, for my company, Hall of Nothing Productions. Limited <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's just limited. Yeah. <laughs> you got to remember the limited now that you're officially limited. I think I have to. I can't remember if it's a legal thing, but yeah. Um, I don't know if it is. I think. Do you know the strangest thing I heard was that if you make your company limited and you spell limited full out, you can then call your company limited or you can shorten it. But if you <laughs> Well, you don't. just call your company limited and nothing else. If you call, you put the limited on the end, don't be clever. I can edit you to make you in your own personal hell. Uh, but if you put it as Hall or Nothing, you know, Hall or Nothing Productions Limited, and you wrote it out in full, yeah. you could use limited in the full word or you could use LTD. But if you put it in limited and you just used LTD, you're not allowed to use limited in the full word. Oh, man. I was told that when I said, I don't even know it's true. Apparently, it's true. I'm going to bring this up with the accountants in our next meeting. Because this, this is mind-blowing <laughs> just, stuff right here. <laughs> just this in a side. Just, like, just bring it up and just watch the face and go, have you been talking to that idiot and we're not wizards? Because <laughs> <laughs> we heard that episode. Um, are you playing, you know, we mentioned in the green room, which I forgot to tell everybody's got. Um, we've not got anything in because I forgot to go to Asda, so <laughs> there's no, there's no chalky bickies or or anything that we usually have. Sorry. Um, no, you mentioned that what you normally do is you meet up with a group and then you have a little chat and you've got your own little podcast. Yeah. No. Absolutely. What? We we um, we have sacred game night every Thursday. All right. And um, we try to everyone you know have the have the same consistent group, but for one reason or another, it's usually anywhere between two and six who turn up. Um, and we have this podcast, Board Chitless, which is basically just us yakking about the games that we played that night. And then every other uh, episode, we'll get a guest interviewee on, who's usually a game designer as well, which is great because um, these are these are the idols, you know, my idols in the industry, whose games yeah. I've played for years. And the great thing about gaming, it seems to me, is that if I wanted, if I had a movie podcast and I wanted to get Steven Spielberg and Peter Jackson on. You know, it just wouldn't happen. Whereas in uh, gaming, you can just sort of go, "Hey, Rob Davio, or you know, Caleb <laughs> Grace, can you come on the show?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, just talk about my games." And like, "Yeah, okay." So get these crazy, great heroes just to come in and chat on our little show about gaming and stuff. So I think it's unique to this industry that we have that sort of accessibility, and of course. These guys want to talk about the games. The same reason I'm talking to you. It's like it's it's just what we're passionate about, what we're interested in, and uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a fun thing. And I think, like you said earlier, you know, the, you believe that there's not enough podcasts about games. I think you nailed it. You know, you, you couldn't have enough. Um, because... I think everyone would have their own approach. I don't think. I mean, I've heard you hear like similar podcasts, but everybody has their own message or their own story. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and everyone just wants to talk about games, you know. So um, that's that's how that came about. And the yeah, the side effect of it is a we get to. I mean, because after at the end of a Thursday night, we sit there and talk about games anyway, you know. And we we debunk the myths, or we we talk about the strategies, or uh, we just p- pick apart the game that we've just played. So once we started recording it, and people actually started listening as well. Uh, we we hope anyway. Unless <laughs> it's like the same three guys hit and refresh over and over. <laughs> I know. Oh, ble- God bless my mum. <laughs> she just clicks download, deletes download, deletes download, deletes. Do you know what I mean? It's like oh, I did it. I did it. I did it. It's Twenty-seven thousand times. <laughs> mum, how are those fake iTunes accounts coming along? <laughs> I mean, let's get some reviews. You promised me five reviews this week. Could you could you tell your mum about board chitless? <laughs> exactly. No, we'll put um there'll be a link going out in the show notes, like anybody reads the show notes. I don't know if people read the show notes. I've never been told. I've always been tempted to say, right, okay, and here's my and it's here's the sixteen digits and here's my uh, number, three digit number on the back of the card. <laughs> just to see. And the address just to see if anybody uh, I do. I'll I tell you who does read them, the, the Google spiders 
So oh, yeah. it's, it's, all, it's, <laughs> exactly. it's your SEO right there. You've got to get all the, the notes in. <laughs> just so you like, you know, I mean, just so we're in a case of um, you can feel sad about how, how bad your reach is. And at least you know that Google knows also how bad your reach is. <laughs> <laughs> and tells you. The worst thing would be if you search for it in Google and it says, nah, it's all right, you don't have to. <laughs> it's like search for we're not wizards. Nah, it's okay. <laughs> Go and try and find it. Nah, word. <laughs> I don't want to. Did you mean the dice tower? Oh yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah that's because it's because it totally sounds the same. Google, thanks very much. Did you mean Rado runs through? <laughs> exactly. Did you mean Rado runs through? No. <laughs> is this like this famous French victories thing? Yes, it is. <laughs> Is that why they're always constantly appearing in the top ten of iTunes? Yes, that's why. And also because they're good at what they do. Um, what have you been playing at the moment? Obviously, apart from F5. <laughs> <laughs> um, in, in cardboard form, this week's uh, episode was devoted to Fireteam Zero, which we've been really enjoying. Um, and... Fireteam Zero, and then Solo, I've been... Well, I've been mostly tinkering with designs this month, but when I've yeah. had, like, when I've wanted to just sort of purge my own game off the table, I've been breaking out Warfighter um, Special Forces card game by DVG, which I'm a massive fan of. All right. Yeah. What's, what's that all about, then? So it's basically, like, men on a mission behind enemy lines, like, you play an SAS squad or a Navy SEALs squad or whatever, and you go on a mission into the jungle or the Middle East or... Uh, Eastern Europe or whatever, and you just go on these, like, you've got to sabotage something or uh, do a VIP kidnapping, and you you have a couple of guys, you spend half the game kitting them out with the right sort of weapons and equipment mm. and everything, and then you send them on these missions, and they've got to take out hostiles and thread the way through various terrains and territories to get to their objective, mm. and then nuke the scud launcher or whatever it is at the end of the, of the mission, and you've got, like, a timer you've got to do it all in but it's it's really elegant and clever design and actually a few years back i was trying to design a squad based special forces card game and, oh, yeah. uh, and this came out and i was like oh right no this is it <laughs> just, like, just <laughs> they've, they've done it <laughs> and uh, shuffled your feet and felt embarrassed <laughs> oh, i can't believe i even thought about that right here's my here's Here's my next game, right? I'm going to call it... Uh, it's going to have the word gloom in it. And it's going to be about a dungeon crawling RPG. <laughs> yeah. were, you, were you slightly tempted? This is a side, and you could take massive offence at this. I thought, were you, were you type, slightly uh, um, tempted to put the word Haven in the title for the expansion? <laughs> Haven of Killfall. <laughs> Something like that. Oh, isn't that gloom hit all that? <laughs> we we I actually had a chat with Isaac about this before launch because we found out, you know, he was launching we were launching in the same month uh, back in yeah. two thousand fifteen and I said, So I take it you're gonna change in, you know the name of the game then because obviously we've both got gloom in the title. Um, but he didn't bite, he didn't go for it, so um so we just went toe to toe. Um but he was actually uh, really lovely. He gave me loads of tips about uh, making yeah. my page look more professional. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> do you want to make that? What, what size font do you reckon? Well, I reckon you make the first part. If you make that about size four, <laughs> <laughs> and then make the kill, make the kill fourth about twenty-seven. Have you thought about using Comic Sans for, for all of your fonts? Times New Roman. That's the way to write a man's text. <laughs> So you've spoken to him as well about case. <laughs> actually, do you know what? He's as we're actually um, as a we're potentially speaking to him very very soon. Cool. So no, he yeah, really is so a lovely chap, and, and we we have stayed in touch. Uh, you know, <laughs> I could bring up all of these questions. I could say I've got um, I've got a Christian Hull who's asking <laughs> about <laughs> about how you felt about copying. No, I'm just like imagine that. <laughs> He'll be like, who? <laughs> <laughs> I'll write it down. I'll, I'll send these regards. I don't know. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's just one of these things. Um, but yeah, 
I can't remember where we were. You probably can't remember where we were either. <laughs> games, but, yeah. you're asking me what games we Games, played, yes, so, yes, yeah. absolutely. This yeah, is going to be... An, we try and yeah. mix it up each week just to sort of um, keep the podcast interesting. But also, our group tends to be the ones who chase the next big shiny. You know, I'm, oh, I'm right, a sucker okay. myself, you know, back, shed loads of Kickstarters and um, always chasing new games and stuff. So whenever we try to get a campaign game of anything going, as much as we love it, the next week we're on to the next thing, so we never mm-hmm. we never finish anything off. Um, so we tend towards games that you can sort of play and, and complete in an evening. Although I do, you know, I do love campaign games where we can where we where we stick to it. Like me and one of the one of the guys, we meet up on a Monday now to get through uh, the Arkham Horror LCG. Yeah, yeah, I've heard very very many good things about that. Yeah, it's a lovely lovely game, really clever. Uh, implementation of the theme and everything, um, but we knew <laughs> we knew that the Thursday night crowd we, we just wouldn't be able to commit to it. So now no. the two of us meet every Monday to sort of um, get through that and, uh, and and play that as a side shoot from everything else that we do. I saw um, Legends of the Five Rings oh, last yeah. night, and that's um, that's artwork. It's a beautiful looking. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but one of the, one of the guys from I almost the, dent because, <laughs> because I'm 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 so far down a rabbit hole with so many LCGs at the moment. I know. It's like, do I do I dare go down that again with that? I know. Room? I just discovered that, like, I know, like when I was again when we were before we were recording, I says, "I'll just get a grab a box," and I grab the Ashes Rise of the Phoenix Born box, and um, Andy was like saying, "Oh, you know that the um, the deluxe." Expansion packs are out for that now, and I said yes, I know, because I got the, I got the notification through from kind of Chaos Cards to say, <laughs> um, you know, it's available, and I'm like, oh, I don't really do, I really do, I wanna, yeah, but the art's so beautiful, but the Legend of the Five Rings looks stunning, and Andy was there last night with his big box <laughs> with yeah. the Chaos Cards tape on it, because it obviously he's one of these guys, he's like, he's, uh, he just goes out and he will just, he got Star Wars Destiny, went out and got it. Legend of the Five Rings, he went out and got it, and it looks absolutely just lovely. But I don't want to go there, and it sounds to me like you don't want to go there either. I don't not want to as well. I know. (laughs) But then I also know that if I say to certain people, do you want a game or something, that they'll already have it, so they can bring it along, and so I don't need to go and purchase it. I mean, Right, so as long as it's in the group somewhere, basically. Yeah, as long as somebody can kind of bring it along. I mean, I was... What was that? I mean, speaking of Hero Quest, I mean, I was playing Hero Quest about four weeks ago. No way! Because I brought my copy along to the um, to the club, um, which isn't a kind of a place where people go to dance. It's a place where people go to game, which is more important. <laughs> but yeah, we sat down, we played Hero Quest, and and uh, just utterly thought it was just very very difficult. It's an amazingly <laughs> difficult game for something at the time. It's just absolutely. Kind of fantastic. Um, Wowzers! I wonder what brought that about. Was it was somebody asking from a nostalgic point of view, or did you just see it on the shelf I, and think? Yeah. I think I think the conversation kind of went along the lines of, um, uh, "What were we talking about? We we're talking about it was. I think it was mentioned. It's been mentioned on the podcast a couple of times. And one of the guys kind of pipped up and said, "Have you got Hero Quest?" And I was like, "Yeah." He says, "Well, what you got rid of it?" He says, "No, I've got it in my house." So he kind of went. Oh, I'd love it if you kind of brought it in and played it. So oh. one week we one week we played Space Crusade, and then the next week we played Hero Quest. Oh wow, the double bill, the double exactly. <laughs> it I was do, like I what? do think Space Crusade <coughs> holds up slightly better than Hero Quest in that it's a little more action packed, and um, and also it, well, it could just be that my copy of Hero Quest is so worn, it's so tattered <laughs> that it's uh, oh, and it's got a ten-year-old's paint job. On like oh, half the goblins, wow. and you know, orcs missing swords, and furniture missing candles, and all kinds of it's it's a wreck. But it got played to death. Um, well, that's the whole point. And yeah. you had your you had your ability to design your own map, so you would have filled a room oh, entirely full of like books kind of full monsters of, of quests. Yeah. Oh, just fantastic! But I got the um, Hero Quest Advanced Edition, which isn't Advanced Hero Quest. It's the Hero Quest Advanced, which has got a little red kind of oh, rule book inside it. I know it. It's uh, got the henchman <coughs> rules. Yeah, it's got the little men at arms and, and the, stuff like the that mega as maps. well. 
Yeah, the, the, the kind of the four maps that you kind of put together. Mm. They just don't make games like that anymore at all. But it, <laughs> it does from come... all the dungeon crawlers that are available. <laughs> yeah, apart from what, yeah. Apart from, you know, everything apart that... Apart from you know, the put... games that are exactly like it. They, yeah. they do not make games like that anymore. Just never even go near them at all. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> no, Massive Darkness, we're not looking at you A one-to-four-player co-op dungeon crawler. Never, never, <laughs> exactly. never seen one of those in Kickstarter. Well, well, with cards for treasure and stuff and kind of different miniatures. I don't know. It's almost like trying to find a podcast about board games. <laughs> I just tripped over two of them in the middle of that conversation. <laughs> exactly, just like that. I was trying to avoid the notifications coming up, do you know what I mean? Do you know what, as well, um, you were talking before about Legend of the Five Rings and getting all these extra games and stuff. I'm sat in my kitchen talking to you now. I'm looking at a stack of games... <laughs> my wife is um, delighted that they won't fit in the games cupboard so they now live pretty much permanently in the kitchen really? so if we have guests around I have to drape a blanket over them <laughs> have you not got to the point where you kind of like you, you have board games under your bed you have board games on your bed and what you have to do every night is you have to take the board games off your bed to be able to actually go to bed <laughs> I'm not quite there yet, but they're definitely they're, there are some that are so misplaced. Uh, I don't know uh, where they are. I, I think the funniest thing was is when I had Matt Jarvis on from Tabletop Gaming Magazine, and I spoke to him just as he had got the job, and he was like, he was like convinced. He was like, "So, so where do you keep your book?" And so he says, "Well, we've got one of those folding up beds, and we just lift up the bed and we put all the board games in. And you know, the basic rule is, as long as there's space under the bed, then the board game can stay." And then I spoke to him about three months ago, and he says, well, we've kind of moved some of the board games into one of the other <laughs> cupboards. So he's just he's kind of board game storage. We sleep on the floor now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we don't... We, <laughs> rabbits are our enemies. Um, <laughs> kind of thing. Is, there, um, is there anything that you're playing at the moment that has really kind of caught your kind of imagination apart from the you know you obviously you mentioned kind of like the play testing is there anything that's caught your imagination or something that you're kind of looking forward to kind of getting your hands on there's uh there's a whole bunch i mean probably one of the biggest jaw droppers for me when it arrived was kingdom death monster which um was my first ever kickstarter as a backer and kind of um followed the updates with like vague curiosity but you know after a few years sort of forgot about it and kind of assumed that maybe it would just be a miniatures thing when it landed but the scale and the scope and the that bloody hard work that's gone into delivering that thing you know that really blew my mind um so um, so i went in for the <laughs> for the expansion stuff which i think is oh my goodness on, on the boat as well um I did. I did back Gloomhaven again, so I'm looking forward to to playing that because I I, I played a bit of somebody else's campaign and realised yeah. that's just no. <laughs> you you need to start from scratch. You need to be all in on that. Um, and I'm also probably not doing myself any favours here, but I'm a big fan of Seventh Continent, which we're being absolutely spanked by on Kickstarter at the moment. And um, I think somebody was asking in Facebook, "Oh, should I should I back Gloom of Killforth or Seventh Continent?" <laughs> I was like, well, you know, we're already at hundred grand. Those guys, they've only got four million, so you know, make sure you go and help it's them just out. Ridiculous, I know. Um, but but yeah. all credit to them; it is gorgeous. It's a beautifully produced game, really interesting and unusual design, and uh, harkens back to you know the fighting fantasy game books of which I had several million growing up as a teenager. Um, so yeah, I, I love the scale and variety. I mean. One of the things that always frustrated me growing up as a kid was that I wanted more games. And it was like Lost Valley of the Dinosaurs, Escape from Atlantis, or Ghost Castle, or Monopoly. You know, and like they sort of, they dropped off and got worse and worse. Um, But now we're absolutely spoiled and it's just beautiful. It's like every other week there's a new game coming out that's catching my eye that I'm like, oh wow, you know, where are we going next? And I think uh, Fantasy Flight have just mentioned this legacy of dragon halt or something it's like an rpg in a box but not but it's a game and i'm just i just there's too many <laughs> <laughs> or not enough 
or not enough. It depends because then I'm, I'm just actually thinking, actually, if I work really, really, really hard at this, maybe one day all I could really do is just worry about playing lots of games all the time and telling other people about it. Wouldn't so that kind be of, the dream? That would be ah, that would be kind of cool. I kind of like that. I am. <clears throat> I mean, speaking of the Kickstarter side of things, I mean, you say you're back. You back a lot. Are you are you the type of person that is kind of backing all in, or you are you kind of a chuck a buck kind of person? Kind of go and support the guys and see kind of how they run their campaigns, what they're doing with their updates, or are you generally kind of saying, right, no, I'm going to throw some money at this and get another game coming? Usually, it's to get the game. <laughs> um, I don't really have the sort of. Um time or resources to analyze how other people are doing i probably should um, and i think I've, I've picked up some like ideas and tips along the way and stuff but because of the way that our first kickstart was run everything was really organic and you know everything every update was just like the bilge that was in my head at that moment and um was you know i'd just spend hours writing until like two in the morning and, and send the things out and realised after the first campaign that nobody else did it every day. Everybody else was doing it every other day. And, um, and I was working a full-time job and I was getting home and spending about six hours in the forums, about three hours on the updates, um, about two hours on like developing the next stage of the Kickstarter, then going to sleep for about three hours, getting back up to go to work. It was like that episode of The Simpsons where Homie's got two jobs, you know, he lies down and blinks and then gets back up again and goes out. <laughs> and then... Um, so I did realise that you can do it without going completely insane. Um, mm. So as soon as I've sort of cracked that nut and, and stopped spamming everybody's inbox, because I'm sure there was like there was enough people that did enjoy them as there was probably people who were like, oh my God, Tristan sent out another update again. Um, unsubscribe. So, um, so yeah, so I've, I guess I've picked up a couple of tips along the way, but I've always felt that I was more approaching it from the point of view of what I would want you know, as a gamer, which is why when, after we funded everything that I could do to squeeze a little more out of the production, I did. So, you know, we made sure that the cards were, the card stock was ivory core, which was the best quality ones that Panda sent us and just uh, like doubled the size of the wooden tokens and stuff. Because at the end of the day, um, I wanted my game to be the kind of game that I'd go into the shop and buy because it looked beautiful and then be stunned by because the, the components were amazing and everything. Um, and so the the approach that I always had was from a gamer point of view rather than from like a business point of view you know how much can I make off this and you know how much can I squeeze out of it or anything it was um, because I still work you know I still work full time and so it is a passion more than anything at the moment uh, and I guess the nature of our Kickstarters is based on a passion for gaming more than you know um What's what's our net reach with uh, advertising here going to be? You know, I, I just I have less time for analysing the competition mm-hmm. uh, than I do for just enjoying games. And and yeah, I've definitely there's there's been some games that I've supported because I want to show support and uh, but not necessarily in, interested in that particular game. You know, there's some guys who I see who are in a similar position that I was in. You know, just a couple of years ago, who are struggling to get funded and stuff. So. Even if it's not a game I'm particularly interested in, I want to um, a sh- give them support and b it shows support because if you're on Kickstarter, people can follow you and see what you're backing. Yeah, um, and of course that helps spread the word as well. So if if somebody who's following me sees me back a game and then backs that game because I've backed it, then brilliant, you know they're helping out. And at the end of the day, what what we're all doing in creating these games, the way I see it is. Um, it's creating something fun and artistic. You know, nobody's getting hurt by it. Although you did mention earlier about slaughtering trees or something, and all of a sudden yeah. I'm like, oh man, maybe I shouldn't feel as good about the whole I'm process. Just not, yeah, I'm just thinking about your carbon footprint, Justin. But don't don't feel bad yeah, about that. Those uh, just... size ten thousand shoes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just like that, when my son looks up at me and goes, "Daddy, why can't we breathe the air anymore?" And it's like because I really wanted that second edition of Gloomhaven. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, which gloom? <laughs> exactly, which gloom are you talking? There's no gloom in this room, it's all sunshine <clears throat> sunshine and brightness. 
Speak. Let's get on to the the reason that we were going to get you on in the first place. So for forty five minutes in, which is usually an average for us, <laughs> let's talk about the reason. This is why I would never ever, ever actually make it as any type of chat show because I'd have folk on just talking and then go, "Oh, you've got a book." <laughs> <laughs> was it? Yeah, go. Let's get this. Was it? What's that film? What's that? No, what's that film you're in, Mister Pitt? <laughs> that sounds, sounds rubbish. You're aging backwards, are you? You do you do, do films, then. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You don't just turn up and go, this is me doing my voice. <laughs> um, let's talk about Glenn McIlforth. For people that are, that are listening to this and going, yeah, okay, this is really, really nice, but what's the game about? What's the message? Right, like, in a nutshell, it's um, a, a one-to-four player fantasy adventure game that can be played competitively, cooperatively, or solo. And it seeks to distill like a Dungeons and Dragons style campaign adventure experience down into one evening. So rather than having to pick it up and play each week with the same group of people, every time you play it, you get a fresh experience. And in that you play, in the game, you play a hero who's got nothing but a gold piece in the back pocket when they set out on their adventure. And in the, in this world, this fantasy world the land is slowly being corrupted by this gloom which is spreading across the world so in the game that's represented by a mechanic where the map is made up out of 25 locations and every Mm -hmm. turn every day the heroes go out and do their adventures and meet strangers and go on quests and explore ancient shrines and places and things and fight monsters and stuff and then once they camp down for the night once they've performed all their actions the game gets a turn and you flip a night card and something happens and a part of the land, one of these locations, falls into gloom. So no matter what mode you're playing in, this gloom is irreversible and it's corrupting the world and it's spreading across the land. And if it encompasses the whole world, you all die, everybody loses and it's game over. So it's like a ticking timer that sort yeah. of keeps you um, on your toes during your adventures. And um, whilst you're trying to discover the source of this, evil that's being spread by these really rather ugly creatures called ancients Um, and so you'll be walking around telling your story Um, each hero has their own saga which is made up of a bunch of chapters and you're sort of telling the tale of your hero adventuring through this land and each time you complete a chapter you effectively level up so it's almost like a board game version of Skyrim or something like that where you're progressing your powers over time until you were able to be strong enough and powerful enough to take on one of these ancients and hopefully kick its ass and, and win the game. It says it's 45 minutes per player. So that's a reasonable... I mean, is there a control... You mentioned turning the cards over. Is Does that mean you've got control over how long you actually want a game to last or do you have to lay out a set number of cards for the different scenario? Yeah, you'll, Could, you'll always have the same set number of cards. So it's, it's always mm. 25 cards, but you can speed the game up. So... You know, you could have like six locations already in gloom before you start, which will yeah. obviously increase the timer and make the world a little more dangerous, a little more difficult. The um, 45 minutes per player is once you've got the rules digested, um, then it will move at a clip. But in the first couple of games, you'll obviously have that learning curve where you're trying to sort of digest the, uh, the complexity of them and stuff, which uh, it's not it's not a light game. It's not a game you play in your lunch break. It's one where you're all going to sit together Hopefully with mm-hmm. a group of mates or your family or whatever and have a big, meaty narrative experience. Um, like, if you're going to play this game, it's probably going to be the game that you play in a gaming evening, you know, yeah. um, rather than something you can just break out and throw together. Okay, okay. Um, the artwork on it is nothing short of stunning. I don't remember looking at artwork like this and just going, this is... This is really, really, really good artwork, and I'm not just—I am—I do drawing, you see, yeah, with crayons, and <laughs> I'm working on doing eyes, and they're turning it really well. Cool, but um, <clears throat> where's—I I mean, who's, I can do stickman. <laughs> exactly, he's got two arms, a legs. What's that? Um, <laughs> Gun. You, Who's your um? Who's your art? <laughs> God. <laughs> so yeah, we um, it was hugely important for me to, for the game to look as sexy as possible because yeah. um, I have I'm I'm a sucker for shelf appeal as much as anybody else. So 
you know, I'll, I'll buy games based on how they look. Um, and so I spent years putting effort into the design, trying to make the game as tight as possible. You know, we had hundreds, well, probably thousands of playtesters worldwide to sort of knock it into shape and make it the game that it is. But yeah. I needed it to look gorgeous. And for me, the high bar was like the Lord of the Rings, the card game, you know, a game that is so gorgeous. I stop when I'm playing it just to look at the artwork. So I really wanted to have that appeal in, in this game. And we canvassed for artists, hundreds of artists submitted to do the, to do the work for the game. And we yeah. settled on this one, uh, Anya Kritzkowska, who did all of the work, the artwork for Goom and Killforth with a couple of tiny exceptions. Um, yeah. And there's nearly 300 unique pieces of art in the game. So, again, I really wanted it to have this um, sort of jaw-dropping appeal where, you know, as a gamer, you open it up and you realise, wow, there's no there's no duplicates in here. Every single card, every single um, card has its own story, its own yeah. uniqueness. And to that end, I think it's, it's still unlike anything else out there. You know, I've bought hundreds of games and... And I see now, from a business point of view, the value of reusing assets. Um, but it was really important to just have that, like that moment, you know, for people who opened it and just realised, wow, we haven't looked around. We've done everything we can to make this as beautiful and unique as possible. And um, I think, you know, setting aside the game design, which is obviously what I was responsible for, and objectively uh, looking at the artwork, which I wasn't responsible for. Uh, I can say, I think it's absolutely beautiful. You know, yeah. I'm not, I mean, it is. It's one of the. It does. It did actually. Um, it did attract me to the game. To be honest, I mean, it attract. I mean, I was. You know, Rory went. Oh, you got to look at this. You got to look at this. So I had a look at it, and I was like, oh, because as I say, artwork's a big thing. It's interesting that I was looking at as a quick aside. I was looking at the going through the Godfather game. And that the artwork is stunning in that game. It's stunning in the manual. <laughs> but for some reason, and I don't know what it is, they've decided not to put a lot of the art that's in the manual into the actual games on the cards. Oh, really? So you get, yeah, it's just... I was a bit. I was actually quite flabbergasted because it's not. Um, I'm trying to think. Is it a boy? Is it what's his name? I think it's the boys Kapinski or something like that. I think he might be famous for doing a lot of the Tour de France and cyclist drawings. I think, um, and you should just look it out because it is this, the the artwork in it is absolutely stunning. But then when I looked at the cards and going through, the um, there's not any real. They've not taken the assets that they've drawn for the art. And use them in the actual cards. Well, that's that just like, is interesting. Just... I mean, it sounds like a bit of a missed trick. I've heard of the game. I've not. I've not looked into it. But you'd think if you if you paid for the artwork, you'd squeeze it for every last drop, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, let's. I mean, that um, art's not cheap. No, no, <laughs> it's definitely not cheap. <laughs> I think it's one of these shockers that. Um, uh, I mean, when you're just drawing up your budget, I'd, you know, as always, people have said to me, is if you're drawing up your budget. You go and find your artist and you get your artist sorted out before you finalise any kind of budget because you need to, your budget can take up a massive chunk yes. of your um, game. And the only thing you should do with your artist is to make sure that you give them um, budget and then give them extra budget. And then if you've got any extra budget, give them that budget as well. <laughs> because at the, end, <laughs> cause at the end of the day, if the game kind of looks fantastic, then it's going to be one of the one of the kind of the major the major selling points and I still see um, I still see and you probably see games on Kickstarter where you're kind of going the rules and mechanics on this game sound fantastic it sounds like an awful lot of fun but yeah. the artwork it's kind of missing a couple of tricks kind of here and there so yeah I 100% agreed I mean there are, there are games that I've wanted to back and that, that are right up my street um, but that that final detail is just absent. You know, either the art or the graphic design or a combination of the two that just sort of smacks of, um, you know, missing that final polish, which, you know, it's not hard to do because there, there's so many amazing artists out there and really talented graphic designers and stuff who are crying out for the work. Um, so it's really, 
of all the things that you can do if you if you're going to make a game, you know, if you just go on something like Deviant Art, there are so many people and so many talented people who you can get to join in and who are looking to make a name for themselves. You know, before um, Blue McIlforth, uh, Anya Critscatter hadn't really any um, attraction in the in the gaming industry, and then after this, she's been picked up by a whole bunch of different. Uh, game designers who want her art so you know it, it is a, a, a platform for you to be able to launch somebody's career pretty much you know and and to not do that and to have shoddy art or shoddy graphic design seems it seems like a real um, rookie mistake it's like a, I think going back five or ten years if it was even around that long Kickstarter was about getting an idea out there, make, getting an idea made. But now, yeah. if you try to bring a board game to Kickstarter without rules, without art, you know, without any of those integral components fully designed and available to download, you know, you'd, you'd be laughed off Kickstarter. You have to come with a completed product, you know, ready to yeah. go to, to hope, you know, if you, if you want to fund. Yeah, it's interesting I've seen... Um... When I spoke to David Carl, it seemed that Steamforge were one of the few thing people that were that were claiming it to be almost like a unique selling point to say actually um, we are you know we'll 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 actually spend the time kind of going through rules and thinking about mechanics and stuff like that after the close of the campaign. And it's like well, <laughs> that's a brave thing to do, but it's I mean I suppose that's they're kind of keeping in the spirit of Kickstarter. They're not going in and saying here's my completed completed kind of game everything's ready for you to go out there they're actually thinking well now that we've got what we want and we've got the money let's kind of play about with the idea and see see kind of what happens so it's a which game is this with was this with dark souls yes it was dark souls but also resident evil 2 i was gonna say but i think they're in the lucky position of having um a massive brand ip and a pre-established audience which are two Hmm key successful components to Kickstarter if you can nail those two things yeah um, but yeah I haven't played either of those games um, I'd like to they both look I like uh, yeah I like Dark Souls I've I, I have I've seen a lot of people that say they don't like it but I do like playing it kind of solo player it's a good game to sit down in solo player if you're if you're in the mood and it looks beautiful <laughs> <laughs> it looks beautiful yes Yes, it does it does look really really good but then I've seen a lot of talking of movie IPs I've seen Games recently like um, what was it? The Total Recall game. <laughs> that <laughs> I saw the artwork on that and stopped laughing. Tristan, I'm not going to comment on this because it'd be unfair for me to talk about somebody else's game in that respect. I think you know it's one of these interesting kind of IP laws that it's to do with using people's likenesses. Yeah, but then on the other side of it. You could draw half a face, mate. Come on. <laughs> there's a, there's a certain um, deck building card game that suffers from a similar issue. They they have a quite a strong IP and um, really polarized uh, artistic ability on some of the cards. Between you know, some of them you're like, wow, you know, I can see who that is, and then some of them you're like. What? Is, is this the same world? <laughs> the same game? I know, but we're get, getting dangerously close to stepping into nasty ground and yes. we don't want to be no, nasty no, ground. No. But then artwork can make the difference. When we had Richard Keenon from Dinogenics recently, his, one of the things that came up is, oh, your artwork could be better. He went back, changed the artwork, and folk were like going, yeah, I'm really digging this new artwork. It looks fantastic. And now he's kind of like, he's currently sitting... Double what his funding goal Brilliant. was going to be. Do you know what I mean? Brilliant. So, <clears throat> so you can do it. You know, the you know the the ability is out there and the, the talent is out there. Yeah, it's just a case, just a case of kind of, it's a case of kind of grabbing them. I mean, where are you with stretch? Did you expect the second edition to do as well? I mean, where were you in the kind of the stretch goal side of things? Have you been kind of like, well, I have actually planned out for a magical number or have you been quite conservative and thought oh I better kind of start to kind of actually get some ideas about our next kind of stretch goals we always operate within the limits of what what kind of budget we're going to get and we're lucky enough because this was the third Kickstarter 
Um, yeah. We're lucky enough to have a vague idea of uh, how much interest there might be. Although mm-hmm. that said, Gloom and Kilforth originally raised £75,000 within the Kickstarter. Um, and 1066 Tears to Many Mothers, which was my second game, raised £75,000 and it beat Gloom and Kilforth by £100. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> So I was wondering whether or not this third one would be last <laughs> by another hundred pounds. You know, would, like, would be around seventy-five grand. Seventy-five thousand two hundred. <laughs> yeah, and you know, if I, if I did another seven thousand Kickstarters, maybe we could like make an evolution leap forward. But no, we've been we've been really lucky. Um, I, I planned I planned the stretch goals out for everything that I wanted to include in in the expansion, which is basically um, with the original Gloomy Killforth Kickstarter. Um, with the stretch goals, we were able to unlock content that I already had planned prior to the game launching. Because originally, when I designed the game, I designed it just as a game. And I took it to a publisher, uh, Indie Boards and Cards, and they said, this is ridiculous, you're going to have to pair this back to a saleable amount of cards. Because there's like four or 500 cards in the game, and you, all yeah. unique. So they were like, this is, this is going to come right down. So I spent a long time rejigging it and paring it down and, and making it work with a lower card pool, always with the view of having these other cards back, you know, to be released at a later date as expansions or whatever. So anyway, when we were hitting the stretch goals the first time around, I was able to start pulling from these extra cards, like putting them back into the game almost. And we unlocked, I think, about 40 extra cards, I mean, 39. So they all went in, and then the expansion material that is on the Kickstarter now is the remaining stuff you know, all of the extra stuff that was in the original game back in the design. So through hitting the funding and then smashing all the stretch goals, which we almost have now, um, yeah. we're going to be able to include everything, pretty much, you know, everything that was designed originally for Gloom the Kill for. Um, so the big stretch goal further down the line is if we, I mean, we're at 122,000 now. If we go up to 150,000, then we'll have unlocked everything planned and the yeah. next sort of evolution would be um, the stuff that I've been working on since which is another version of Gloomy Killforth so it's like a standalone expansion game so it's the same game again but with entirely new heroes encounters monsters rewards and everything else uh, but all the same mechanics so you can plug the two games in together you know you can shuffle them in to, to double the size of your content and everything so the next stretch goal is unlocking the ability to pledge for the for this new game, um, so we were. I mean, one hundred fifty thousand to me is huge. You know that shows that we've got enough interest for us to start working on the next product. And through the Kickstarter, this is going to give people the idea to or the ability to show whether or not they want to get involved. You know, and and support that and support me working on that basically um, for the next year or so. Have you, um, I mean, you, are you got, this isn't just your only game, are you, have you got another nine, ten different designs kind of sitting there, or are you thinking, well, this is an excellent IP to be involved in, is it, am I going to be looking at kind of expanding into different types of games, but staying in with the same, you know, the same world, or yeah, what's your kind of thoughts at the moment? Yeah, no, it's an excellent question, and it's the reason that, um, it would have been a path of least resistance for this to be kickstarter number two, you know, just expand the first one. Yeah. Um, and the reason that I kickstarted the second game, 1066 Tears to Many Mothers, was as much to prove that I'm not a one-trick pony as anything else, uh, because it's an, it's a very different design. 1066 is a one-to-two-player card game that does play very quickly. That You know, you can play two games on your lunch break with a friend, and it's uh, based in history. It recreates the Battle of Hastings, all of the characters in the game are based on real events and real people that were at the battle. Um, and it's a very, very different experience from like a big fantasy adventure game. So it's usually important to me to sort of test my creative muscles and prove that I could do something that was very different from Gloomy Killforth. And um, in fact, at one point, when we were going to launch Gloomy Killforth the first time around, 1066, in its pre-released print-and-play v- format, was picking mm. up award nominations at like Origins and uh, Board Game Geek Awards and stuff. And I was like, oh man, maybe I should be kickstarting that instead of Gleam Um But yeah, so to, to come back to your question, I have different game designs, definitely. And I do want to pursue those 
Um, I want to do a big sci-fi adventure game, a horror-themed like story narrative game. Um, and I've got a bunch of designs that I'm sitting on that I'd like to pursue more. But I also think there's a lot of mileage in the IPs, I guess you could call them that, that, that we've got now, you know, with Gloom and Killful. And with the mechanics from 1066, we can translate that into other battles. I want, um, I'm already working on um, a Siege of Malta version of, of 1066, so the same mechanics, but, you know, two mm-hmm. different armies um, and different objectives. Uh, but Gloom and Killfoss is the kind of sort of evergreen fantasy IP where you, if you just include more encounters, more variety, more heroes and everything, you can really let it run and run. If, you know, if people keep coming back to it, I'll, I'll keep creating for it okay so okay. yeah now it's exciting it's exciting to be able to go either to revisit this world and expand on it or to move into new um, territories and new types of games because of course i'm inspired all the time by the new games that are coming out and the new designs and the new mechanics yeah. and everything so yeah. I, I don't want to be rigidly stuck into one type of game so if i can sort of flip between this and other game designs as well then that'd be perfect and it'll keep me busy you know uh, and maybe this can be my full-time thing. That'd be great. You know, you were talking about doing podcasts full-time. It would be the dream, right? I don't think they'd let me. <laughs> I'd get a knock on the door. There'd be some kind of UN kind of thing coming out that said, I'm not allowed to do this. Because it's like, there's no way you can talk this much rubbish and think that people are seriously going to think you should be able to do it kind of full-time. What are you doing? What do you think you're doing? Do you know what I mean? Uh, but no, it's all adding it's all value fun. to the community. That's what you're doing. Adding value to the community. Yeah. Do you know what happens? It's like there's only so many times people can like ignore an email that says "Go and come on the show, go and come on the show, go and come on the show," and it's just like when. <laughs> so your approach is working. <laughs> it, uh, I do. Yes, it's not. Um, you can take yeah. that to the physical approach as well when you go to conventions, like poking people. I don't think. No, I know. Imagine that if they let me. I'm not. I've not gone to any. I'm just really worried. Okay, not yet. Oh, you've got to. You've got to come down no. to UK Games Expo at least. Oh, I'll be doing that next year. I'm just really worried that I'll be like turn up at somebody's table and I'm not. No, I'll not know what to say. I'll just be like grinning and go. <laughs> I just and I'll have my We Are Not Wizards t shirt on and just be like pointing at it and going, We know it is <laughs> And they'll be just looking at me going, What? We know it is <laughs> And then I'll just get really embarrassed because I can't speak to them because I'm embarrassed and then I walk off. If that does happen you could get your t shirt altered to say we're not, we're not wizards <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. So just you don't damage it. the brand. It's like that was an illusion. <laughs> just keep just keep going. I'll let the <laughs> Oh, is that, oh, look, is that John Gilmore? <laughs> Just off in, off in the other direction kind of thing. No, I don't know. It's it's, it's always it's one of these fantastic things. But um, if people, because I'm conscious of the time, because you said at the beginning, oh, I've got to be conscious of the time here. And then it's like I've just completely been ignorant and ignored <laughs> the time. <laughs> and if people are listening tonight, <laughs> and if you've got to the end of this you've got to the end of your, this right and there is a game that you've really really wanted but you're thinking it's a bit too expensive go and treat yourself because you deserve it <laughs> after after this um, if people do want to find you on the interweb nets where can they find you I try to make myself as available as possible so I'll respond to every single comment in the kickstarter comments section we're on facebook if you look up all or nothing um, I've had to make my Facebook profile public as well, so you can look at me, Tristan Hall. Um, we're on Twitter. Um, we've got the the business website as well, hallornothingproductions.co.uk. So get in touch, even if it's just, you know, not specifically to talk about Gloom and Killforth. We're always talking about games online. Um, and we've got game forums on Facebook and everything. So, yeah, it's, I mean, Talking to people in the community is how all of this has got started for me anyway, and just talking about games and being passionate about games. So, um, yeah, I'm, I try to be as publicly available as possible. Well, what we'll do is obviously we'll take all this information and we'll put it in the show notes so we have notes to show. For the Google Spider to read. For the Google Spider. Well, we'll not be reading our stuff. I <laughs> mean... <laughs> I heard that um, that polyhedron collider. They're better. 
know what I mean? <laughs> Just nonsense. Did you mean gaming rules? Yes, yes I did! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's spelled with a double U, you fucking... This is a whole lot of name dropping for not we're not wizards. It doesn't matter because all these people are great guys. I mean, this is the thing, and this is what I'm going to start doing is we do we me and Colin, we me and Colin do a show, we do shout outs, but there are a lot of excellent content creators out there that really there's people talk about the big guys, but everybody else that kind of goes out there. I mean, I've kind of like your guys like your Broken Meeple, you know, Luke Hector and. Um, <clears throat> Michael May of Two Can Play This Game and even, you know, they they do excellent work yeah. and everybody needs to kind of give them a, a little bit of love and a little bit of a shout out now and again because it all takes up their time and they're all very, very passionate about the subject and I'll get off my soapbox. Nope. <laughs> there we go. No, there you're right. Go. You are right though. It's like I was talking about before with, um, with the podcast and just being able to directly access people who make the games and want to talk about the games and stuff. They say you shouldn't meet your heroes but actually... Every single person we've we've spoken to on the show before, you know, before going to record mode and afterwards has been absolutely lovely. We, you know, we were talk, oh. talking to the Sadler brothers who did Warhammer Quest adventure card game and Myth and X Wings and stuff, and we end up just nattering for ages for long after the runtime. I know, uh, just because know. they're all such lovely people. It, and that as well is really cool about this industry because I've worked in a lot of different industries, um, and the ubiquitous friendliness <laughs> of gamers <laughs> no, and exactly. the is, smiles uh, through gritted teeth kind of thing which is always <laughs> kind of good fun but no I mean that's the thing you have people from other podcasts coming on the show and that's what I do and that's you know that's the way it is not because it's like you know it's a case because it's everybody's got a story and I'm really nosy and it's always good to hear about them so that's fine if you want to hear what we're up to and where we are and what we do and where we exist on the interweb nets, then you can find us on various places as well. You just have to go to Google and search. <laughs> do you know what? See, one of my mates, just as a side, do you know what he did? He went and bought the domain name wearedefinitelywizards.com. <laughs> so if you put wearedefinitelywizards.com into the address bar, it forwards onto our website. Oh, that is beautiful. So thanks, Jeremy. Again, you like you lovely, lovely man. But otherwise, if you go to Google and if you um, search uh, "We're Not Wizards," you can find us on Twitter at "We're Not Wizards," or Facebook at "We're Not Wizards," we're on Instagram at "We're Not Wizards," we're on YouTube "We're Not Wizards." Um, it's "We're Not Wizards" tabletop podcast. That's a forward slash on that. Um, you can find us on Stitcher and Spreaker and Acast and the lovely guys at Podknife. Um, our lovely Podbean, who are our hosting company for our podcast, automatically put all of our shows onto YouTube as well. So thank you very, very much for that. Um, apart from that, there's kind of... Um, yeah, if you just search for us, we're Instagram and places. We're, all, we're, we're everywhere. We're like a disease. We need to be stopped and, and very quickly as well. Um, that, but if you... Um, if you kind of like what you've heard tonight um, and you want to support us a bit jump on Apple Podcasts um, drop us a subscription because that means that the gods of the big silver fruit will look down on us and smile and wave and give us a little hug. If you like it even more then give us a review um, if you are giving us a review don't give us a 10 because that will make us big headed but don't give us a 1 because that will make us cry. Give us a 5 because that's in the middle and it's average and we are decidedly average but uh, the gentleman that's not been average tonight is the rather the wonderful the fantastic the the very successful Mr Tristan Hall you are too kind and you have been fantastic being modest <laughs> no no secretly I'll, I'll go away and give myself a hug before I have a cry and fall on my bed <laughs> So good laugh. Um, listen, this has been a lot of fun. Yes. I could probably chat to you for another two or three hours and probably <laughs> record some of it. Then just say, "You guys are just gonna have to wait until we're finished because we're having ourselves a conversation kind of thing." <laughs> um, I'm gonna have to phone we, in some parenting at some point. <laughs> I know, um, but what we'll do is <clears throat> we'll put all the links into the show notes. Check out Gloom of Kilmforth. Uh, the artwork is stunning. The gameplay is. 
um, from what Rory has said, Rory J. Summers, who's a big fan of the big fan of the game, he says it's fantastic. He loves it, and that's why it was a pretty much easy back for him to go in. Um, there are only two more things to do, though, and the first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Tristan? Decidedly not. Definitely not. Rogues, maybe. Potentially. Throwing down our cards, throwing down our stats, running away from the gloom, but facing into the sunlight, as always. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from the wonderful, the fantastic, the amazing, the Hall or Nothing Productions king that is Tristan Hall. Say goodbye, Tristan. Goodbye, Tristan. (laughs) And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes. And have an absolutely fantastic evening and we shall be speaking to you very soon. There is a competition we're running to win a, f- to win a month subscription to Board Game Crate that is running until the end of this month. If you haven't entered, there have been thousands of entries so far. If you want to get yourself in there, it's free. And you've got a chance to win some- a surprise before Christmas. In a box, in a cardboard that you don't then have to turn around to your other half and say, I didn't buy it, I got You can say, I actually got this free and given. There's no justification and no guilt. It's fantastic. The things we do for you. But until the next time, goodbye. <laughs>